What is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. Gwyneth Paltrow, welcome to Call Her Daddy. Thank you very much. I am so happy you're here. How is it feeling? How are the vibes? The vibes are A triple plus. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's gorgeous. The marble table, the colors, it's very soothing. Thank you. Because I know you're very into like home design yourself. Yes. How would you describe your style? Mm. I think I always like a traditional frame. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like walls, fixtures, floors. I like it to feel like there's some history and some provenance with it. I think I always gravitate towards a house where like the bones are more traditional. That's like, I always want cozy vibes. I actually designed this. The pink color in this room is the exact color that I have in my closet. And so I wanted it to feel like we were kind of at my house, but I wanted to bring a little bit of me to the studio, I love which that. is very fun. This Actually, this this wall color is very similar to our goop office wall color. Right? Yeah. Because you don't want like a hot pink. Like I needed to get no. away from the hot pink. I was like, I feel like I'm a little hot topic I'm a little in college still. I'm like, <laughs> I have elevated a little bit, ladies. Give me some credit. Major um, credit. But need to have it like classy, but still fun. Let's talk about you, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I love how, so Apple is here, your daughter, and you guys walk in, and Apple is like, roast her, go for it. And I was like, Gwen Paltrow's coming on the show, guys. Like, let's keep it classy. And then Apple was like, oh, ask her everything. I'm like, oh, thank you, Apple, for letting me go in. This episode is presented by Sparkling Ice. Turn up summer with Sparkling Ice. They have over 17 anything but subtle flavors, all made with zero sugar and packed with vitamins and antioxidants, iced tea and lemonade, strawberry watermelon, tropical punch, peach nectarine. Yum. Crank up the flavor. Sparkling Ice, anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by Curology. If you have particular skincare challenges, it can be really frustrating to waste time and money on products that just are absolutely not formulated for you. That is why I'm so excited to recommend Curology. I have personally struggled with acne my whole life. And I'll look at someone on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram and be like, should I buy those products? No, I do not have the same skin as them. So I should not be treating it the same. Curology's personalized prescriptions are formulated to treat your individual skin needs from acne to the earliest signs of aging. All you have to do is go online take a quick quiz, and you will be connected to a licensed dermatology provider that will create a custom formula based on your skincare needs. If you're ready to start your skincare journey and start seeing results, here is a special offer just for you. Visit Curology.com slash call her daddy for a special offer. That's Curology, C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash call her daddy. Offer applies only to your first box, subject to consultation, new subscribers only, subscription required. This episode is brought to you by new Garnier Fructis hair filler with vitamin C, G. Many things can damage your hair like heat styling and bleaching, but the all new Garnier Fructis hair filler systems can reverse up to 
one year of damage to your hair smoothness in just one use, giving you up to 79% stronger hair and up to four times less breakage. And all Garnier products are approved by Cruelty-Free International under the Leaping Bunny program. New Garnier Fructis hair filler, pre-shampoo, shampoo, conditioner, and serum are available now on Amazon and at Walmart, Target, Ulta, Drug, and select grocery stores. Learn more at GarnierUSA.com. So you're an entrepreneur, you're a mother, and you're an actress. You won an Academy Award at 26 years old. How did winning an Oscar at such a young age impact the way that you viewed and felt about your career? Well, I guess I should start by saying, like, I was so driven, like I was working so hard and I didn't know exactly what I was working towards. I just wanted to be successful and to be well regarded. And I, you know, was kind of on this really fast track and it all kind of happened so quickly, which is what I think you're alluding to. And then for somebody like me who, you know, I think I was working through a lot of the harder parts of my growing up through achieving success. And once I won the Oscar, it put me into a little bit of an identity crisis because if you win the biggest prize, like what are you supposed to do and where are you supposed to go? I also, it was hard, like the amount of attention that you receive on a night like that in the weeks following is so disorienting and 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 frankly really unhealthy mm-hmm. um I was like this is this is crazy like I don't know if I can I don't know what to do I don't know which way is is up mm-hmm. and so I think it was a lot and then I also you know not that I would give it back or anything like it was an amazing experience yeah. but um it kind of called a lot of things into question for me. And then I think because I hadn't done a lot of healing work yet, I was like, well, now I need to, you know, what am I going to do? Where am I going to, how am I going to continue to achieve? Do you mind sharing, like when you're referencing, like you were working towards solving the things in your past? Yeah. Do you mind sharing what you're talking about? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, we all go through traumatic things in our childhood. And, you know, I think... Our parents, especially my parents' generation, they had a very different orientation around parenting. It's like, you know, Apple and her brother are like, you know, I kind of revolve around them and um, and and hopefully not to their detriment. But I think it was – I grew up in a generation where there wasn't that orientation and I think – you know, we we moved a lot to move with my mom when she was working, which also, of course, had great things. Um, but it was, you know, it could be very, it could feel destabilizing. And I think there was there were also like really high standards prescribed to me in my house. I don't even know if my parents were conscious they were doing it, but I always felt like I had to prove on some level that I I was worth something, that I was lovable. Um, and not only for my parents, but I think just from the culture that I was growing up in. No, I get what you're saying. And I think that's something I've been realizing in therapy is like, 
of course we can look at how our parents fucked us up like I don't think there's anyone on the planet that's like my parents were absolutely perfect like (laughs) but I do think generationally yeah it's also important to look at not to give them a free pass but like they don't have the tools that we now have of like therapy wasn't even a conversation mental health wasn't even a conversation so even you saying like I don't even think they were aware of the pressure they were putting on me it it does make sense now especially if you are in therapy or working on yourself like the past generations to me it's it's very apparent as to like what they were lacking and how fortunate we are now to have conversations with like you having with your children when you talk about having this like almost like crisis of like you win this oscar everyone's looking at you mm-hmm. you're this beautiful young woman how do you think that impacted like your self-worth at the time i felt a real pivot on that night because i felt like up until that moment everybody was kind of rooting for me in a way and then when i won it was like too much you know and and i could feel a real turn and i remember I was working in England a lot at the time. For some reason, I was doing all my movies in the UK. And I remember the British press being so horrible to me because I cried, you know, and they didn't necessarily know that, you know, my grandfather was dying of cancer. My dad, who was in the audience with me, was like, had just had all this crazy cancer treatment and he was really debilitated. And it was just this totally overwhelming moment. And, you know, I was 26, like I cried and people were so mean about it and, I just thought like, wow, there's this big energy shift that's happening and I think I'm gonna have to learn to be less open-hearted mm-hmm. and much more protective of myself and filter people out better. It was like this big reckoning in a way. When I think back to the 90s, I think it's so funny that so many trends are coming back. <laughs> like Apple just walked in and just like, mom, look, I'm wearing your shirt from the night. It's like everything is making comebacks. But the one thing that I feel like never went out of style and I have to say it is Brad Pitt (laughs) I have to say it I agree (laughs) how did you meet Brad Pitt because you guys were like the hottest couple okay (laughs) how did you meet Brad I met Brad on the set of seven Mm -hmm. and I think I was only 22 years old at the time and I I had seen him in Thelma and Louise and like whatever the other movies he had been in so obviously everyone knew he was like the most gorgeous movie star in america mm-hmm. and i got this little part in seven and i was so excited to meet him and morgan freeman who i had like grown up adoring as an actor and we we got we sort of said hi on set and it was like major major love at first sight it was crazy I just got chills. (laughs) The fact that you get to be like, I had love at first sight with Brad Pitt and it was mutual. Okay, Gwyneth, no big fucking deal. So you eventually got engaged to Brad. Mm -hmm. How did he propose and how did you initially feel about him proposing? Well, we went out for, uh, we had been going out for like, I felt like a long time and I was like ready to get married and I was like ready And we were in Argentina. He was filming a movie down there. Mm -hmm. And I had gone down there for most of it and was like making dinner and, you know, hanging out with him. And um, one night we were kind of on the balcony of this house we were renting in this little town in Argentina. And I, I, I wish I remembered exactly what he said, but he proposed. It was fantastic. 
I and was you, thrilled. Were, were you surprised or did you know this was coming? Did you guys talk about it? We had talked about it, but I was surprised in the moment. I remember that. And how old were you at this point? I must have been 24. Oh, my gosh. So I know I've read that you ended the engagement with Brad because you were like, I, I was too young. I was not ready to get married. And I feel like when you are in love, I don't care what age, sometimes you can be so in it that you don't see big picture. How did you realize that you were not ready to get yeah. married? Well, I had a lot of development left to do looking back in hindsight. Like, you know, in a lot of ways, I didn't really fully start to come into myself until I was like 40 years old. And I had such a pleasing issue mm -hmm. like I I didn't even really understand how to listen to my instincts and act from that place like for mm -hmm. what was right for me I was always trying to adjudicate like what's right for everybody else you know being the sort of thermostat in the room like oh you know it's getting a little uncomfortable like let me cool it down like it's getting cold let me warm things up mm -hmm. and always sort of outsourcing that and not not really um, giving myself like the dignity of being close to myself, mm. you know? And so when I look back, you know, I I think I was really a kid, like mm -hmm. really more so than a lot of 22 or 23 or 24 year olds I would meet now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really had not explored who I was, what was important to me, what my boundaries were, anything like that. And mm -hmm. so... I was totally heartbroken when we broke up, but it was just, you know, the right thing at that time. But it was really, it was really hard. When you say you broke up, like, did is that how you explained it to him? Like, I'm too young, like, I can't do this? No, it was like there were sort of a, a number of things that had happened. And also he was nine years older than I am. I guess he's still yeah. nine years older <laughs> than me. And so he was like far more, he knew what he wanted. He was like, mm -hmm ready to do it and I was kind of all over the place and so it was really like one of those difficult things where I felt like oh my god I'm not I'm not only am I not ready but I'm not like living up to the standards yeah. again you know it was like a familiar refrain that I felt about myself when you think back to that time period like what questions do you think people should be asking themselves mm -hmm. if they're wondering like am I ready to get married? Because like, I know there's a lot of young women listening that it's like, oh, maybe I am. Like, how will I know? Like, do you have any advice? I think that as women, we know on such a deep level what is right for us. And so it's really just a matter of how many layers we've put on top of that. And and I, I do think we're socialized as, as, as women in this country to not do that like we don't tune in and really listen to ourselves and so I would say the best thing is like to work on your friendship with yourself the closer you are to yourself then the more decisions you will make from that place and that will be the right decision anytime I have a deep conversation with my friend whether it was like she stayed in a relationship too long or I was in a toxic relationship you always kind of know. You know. And like, I really feel like a woman's intuition is never wrong. Like when you're feeling something's off, a lot of the times we're just not acting on ending something or doing something for ourselves because 
there's a layer like you said of something prohibiting us from making that decision whether it's like the societal issues of like we're living in this patriarchal society and you're like I want to please the man and it's been so ingrained like whatever it is usually it's actually you know the truth you just have to be in tune with yourself that takes a lot of time though yes and one layer of complexity I would Mm -hmm. add is that you know when I look back and I think this is pretty pervasive like most of us are sort of replaying relationship that dynamic out in our romantic life that we had with our most difficult parental relationship Mm. like Carrie Washington said to me the other day there's only one letter difference between parent and partner and (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was you know a very succinct way of articulating Mm. it because you know that's something that I did for sure in my romantic relationships and and some people don't do that and you know they're attaching in really healthy ways but you know those are things to keep in the back of your mind too like am i trying to work something out with this person that's really my own work because a lot of times that means you shouldn't be with that person you should go do your work and then find somebody that's going to really uplift you because most of the time when you're in a situation with someone that you're trying to play out like your issues with your dad or your issues with your mom you're right then when you actually go do the work you wouldn't go back to that partner you're like wait no no no. that actually doesn't work for me at all that's right I'm interested to also know about Brad and then we're moving on but like (laughs) actually let's do the whole episode about Brad um when you're since you're in this Hollywood sphere of like it's a pretty close-knit group how did you guys like move on and like I'm sure you saw each other at parties and like had to socialize in moments like was it awkward for you and like do you guys would, it's not awkward now, obviously, but like, how did you go about yeah. running into each other? Yeah, right. They always say like Hollywood is like high school with money. <laughs> it's like kind of true, true, which is probably why I didn't live here for so long. Um, I remember seeing him. This is so crazy. Like, because I was so I was like heartbroken and so upset, you know, and then I remember the first time I saw him, I was presenting at the Academy <laughs> the year after I won and I like walked out and I was like I was so cognizant of him being there and I was like oh my god this is so scary and so awkward because he's probably like in almost front row yeah he was like right there and we hadn't talked in like a couple years you're like I would be like I'm basically giving a speech to my ex I know and I was like I think I even fumbled my words I was like "Uh, yeah uh uh I hope that's on YouTube so I can go watch that after this. Oh All God. of a sudden it's going to like spike up to like oh 10 my million God. views. It was like the year after I won. Yeah. Oh my God. It was God. crazy. I know. He's a great guy. He's great. I, he's, um, he's just, he's wonderful. I really like him a lot. Yeah, casual. Okay, another relationship you had was with Ben Affleck, which is like, I'm sitting here being like, you have the most stacked roster of any person that has ever come on Call Her Daddy, Gwyneth. I'm not kidding. I'm like, no one has sat in a chair and I'm like, Brad Pitt, Ben Affleck. I'm like, what? Tell us your tips. My actual question was this. Do you think that all of your exes have bought your vagina candle? (laughs) They want to really relive the good times. (laughs) That's what it's there for. Can you imagine someone like going into Brad Pitt's house and like, is that Gwyneth's <laughs> vagina candle? <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, we're going to play a game. Okay. Brad or Ben? It'll be fun. Okay. Brad. No. 
question. Oh, I thought that was the question, Brad or Ben. Okay. That's so good. Now I okay. Get it. Okay. That's okay. Good. Okay. Now, overall, it's Brad. Now. Okay. Who had better style? Oh my gosh. I'm going back, back in time mm-hmm. now, trying to assess wardrobes. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Brad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was more romantic? Um, Brad. <laughs> I'm like, Brad, Brad. <laughs> Who was more likely to make you laugh? Ben. Who were you more likely to get into an argument with? Ben. Mm-hmm. Who was more high maintenance? Gosh, that's a really good question. I'm not sure I would characterize either of them as high maintenance. They were both like pretty chill. Yeah. Okay. Who cared more about their appearance? Ooh. I'm not sure. I feel like they're neither of them were very vain like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not attracted to guys who are like looking in the mirror the whole time yeah, you need a little scruff like a little you need like a little scruff mm-hmm. although ben did have like a mirror face that he would <laughs> throw at the mirror <laughs> you have to do it for us like i can't really remember but it's sort of like you know like uh he had a funny mirror face i think he was joking though okay okay who was a better kisser oh my god let me think gosh i have to remember so far back they were both good kissers okay who was better in bed That's really hard. That is really hard because like Brad was like the sort of major chemistry love of your life kind of like at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Ben was like technically excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> I can't believe my daughter's listening to this. Technically yeah. excellent. Yeah. Holy fuck. God bless JLo and everything she's getting over there. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. Last question. Okay. This is really going to cause some issues. Am I blushing? I am. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who is the better actor? Oh, wow. Hmm. I mean... They're both so talented. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and Ben is a great writer and director, but mm-hmm. I guess I would probably have to say acting alone, Brad. Like, yeah. if you think of all the really different roles he's done, I mean, Ben is great too. They're both I, great. They're both great. I mean, you've got great exes. Like, you can't really go wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? And those are just the ones you know about. Uh, oh, well, we're going to get to that. <laughs> you can't tease me here, Gwyneth, and not expect. I was going to ask. You know, we know a lot of your exes, Mm -hmm. but would you be willing to maybe drop a name (laughs) of someone you've like even had a make out with that's A-list that like the world doesn't know about? I don't think I could say the name. Can you give us a (laughs) What about a little Leo action? No, never made out with Leo. Never. He He tried back in the day. But he was already like, you know, he was very doing his thing, loose with the goods, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. from when he was 19. What about Johnny Depp? Never made out with him. 
We did a movie together, but we did not make out. Mm-hmm. Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper? No, I don't even know Bradley Cooper. I mean, I've met him, but I've never like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Okay, well, we're going to have to sidebar. You're going to have to tell me one name okay. that I can like hold close to the chest. I, I'll tell you after. Okay. Okay. You also dated and married Chris Martin, one of the biggest musicians in the world. Yep. Shout out Coldplay. Love Shout ya. him out. We are going to do a little one last game. Okay. Fuck, marry, kill. <laughs> Brad Pitt, Ben Affleck, and Chris Martin. Wow. Well, obviously I'd marry Chris Martin because he gave me my two children who are the loves of my life. So I would do that all again. Um, mm, wow. But kill is so that's such a hardcore. It's not actually it's like put to the wayside. OK, I can fuck one more time. I think we know who? your answer. I think Brad. Brad. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ben. God bless Ben. God bless him. God bless him and his Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> um, okay, what initially attracted you to Chris? So Chris and I met. It's it's a funny story. I was a huge Coldplay fan when his first album, Parachutes, came out. And I loved it. I was doing a movie in London, again, as usual. And I was kind of had the TV on in the background. And he was playing. they were playing at Glastonbury. And when I heard the music and I like you know had this very powerful reaction to it I was like this is incredible and I watched their whole thing and I was like this band is going to be huge and no one had really heard of them in America at the time I remember coming home and like telling everyone about this great band and they said you know they're going to be playing this teeny show I think it was maybe at the Bowery Ballroom or something so I went with Mary my best friend from kindergarten Mm -hmm. that I was telling you about and because I was there I, I someone wrote in the newspaper that we were dating we had never met um and it was I was like what like you know he's like five years younger than me and I was like please I'm not like we're not dating I just went to this thing and we thought and then but they kept writing it all summer all summer all summer and then that fall my dad died unfortunately in sort of a surprising way and my brother and I were listening to that parachutes record I mean not parachutes uh Russia blood to the head to say all the time all the time and I remember I had called Mary and I said, like, I need you to get I need you to come to London. Like, I, I can't breathe without my dad. I don't know what, you know, to do. And so she came over and then someone reminded me we had had tickets to go see Coldplay that night. But from, you know, months before my dad died and I was like, I can't go. And she was like, Gwynny, like, please, we can't like we have to get you out of the house and get some air, even if it's just for. And it was really hard for her, too, because my dad was like her dad. Yep. And she's like, you've got to stop smoking cigarettes. We've got to get out of here. And I was like, okay. And so we went. And because they had been writing that we were boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, his his assistant, Vicky, who we still love to this day, she was like, she came and said like, oh, hi, this is so crazy. You want to go meet your boyfriend, you know, after the show. So we went backstage and um, we met. And he was just so sweet and like, I met him when he was like 25 and I I had just turned 30 and he was like Tigger the Tiger, you know, bouncing around. And I really didn't even think we would go out, but I don't know. He called me and asked me to come to Ireland to see him and go to a show. And I was so depressed. So my, and I remember my other friend Henrietta at this time saying, 
you know, she was like, I said, this is crazy. This kid from Coldplay asked me to go, you know, see his concert. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, I'm not going. And she's like, yeah, you've got to go. This is the first time you've smiled since your dad died. Oh, my God. So I went. How was your relationship with Chris different from all of your like previous relationships? Well, you know, there was just something, I don't know. I think there are certain things that kind of have felt preordained in my life. And like my my children feel like to me like the whole reason I'm on this earth. And so when I met him, there was a very deep thing there. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it because it felt very different than my other relationships. And it's not so much that the relationship itself um, turned out to be like healthier than my other relationships. It's just that I think I had this deep calling on some Mm -hmm. level. I knew he was going to be the father of my kids maybe or something. Oh my God. It was very, it was a very strong feeling. Yeah. I'm interested to know too, like, you know, you mentioned that right before you kind of met Chris, like a few weeks prior, your dad had passed. Yeah. Three weeks before. How did that impact, do you think, like the early days of your relationship? I mean, I was broken. Mm -hmm. I was, my father was, you know, like, I, I just adored him. And he was like, you know, my my teacher, my rabbi, that he was like the comedian. He was like so unconditionally loving. And he was the center of all of our, my whole family kind of mm-hmm. centered on him. So when he died, you know, I was completely like decimated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very raw and very open, you know, didn't totally have my, like I couldn't see straight. Like I was in full, full grief. I don't, I don't know how Chris kind of like, dealt with me through that time yeah because I'm interested like I think loss is there's no way to describe like how you're going to grieve and thinking about like meeting Chris falling in love while also like deeply grieving yeah those are like very opposite emotional headspaces to be in and when you look back do you think that affected your perception of like of the relationship at all Probably. Mm -hmm. I don't see how it couldn't have. Like, I was so altered and Mm -hmm. so destroyed. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't imagine it didn't, Mm -hmm. you know? And I can't imagine that I didn't project, like, hope and safety and future, you know, onto him because I was in such a bad state. Yeah. So we talked about how you were engaged at one point to shout out Brad. And then you eventually, (laughs) who doesn't love Brad? (laughs) You love Brad. We all love Brad. Um, I love how it's like Brad or Ben. This is about to be a game. You're like, Brad. I'm like, wait, I didn't play the game yet. (laughs) We all love Brad. Shout out, Brad. You know, we love you. So you got engaged and you said you weren't ready to be married. Right. You marry Chris. How did you know when it was time to end a marriage and to move on with your life? Well, it was interesting because, again, like being so driven by this like feeling of the impending children, Mm -hmm. like I, I got pregnant really quickly and had our kids like in pretty quick succession. And so then you're sort of thrown into like I, I was like in grief and then I, I had Apple and then I had Moses and, um, and then I think you just you just try to make it work, especially 
for me, you know, I don't like barely, I think we have one, you know, barely any divorce in our family. All of my best friends from, you know, elementary school, high school, they're all married to like their college sweetheart. Like no one, I wasn't around to, like I just felt like it was such a failure and it, and even contemplating us not being together. And I, I was so worried about it for the kids and for what it said about me. And it was so hard. And then, you know, I, I really wanted something very different to what he wanted. And, and I felt very, um, kind of lonely in the marriage in a lot of ways and um and I just finally got to the point where I thought like you know I need to I need to listen to myself and so you know it wasn't until right after I turned you know it was like kind of around it was sort of like around 38 that I started to sense that the marriage wasn't going to last and then I tried really hard for another couple of years but you know I say this all the time because it's true you get this software upgrade when you turn 40 like you just get an upgrade like you wake up and your software is fucking upgraded and you're like, wow, this is bizarre. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. Like, I like myself. Like, you click into this thing, and that happens again when you're 50, by the way. And it's so, it's so, it, it feels like you feel whole. Mm-hmm. And I just realized, like, I, I need to not be in this. I need, I need something else. And it's okay if I'm alone, and it's okay if I disappoint people. And it's okay if I never find anyone again. All the things that you're so worried about, you know, when you're contemplating divorce. And I I chose myself. I love that. And thank you for sharing. Because I, I don't even, like, no matter where you're at in your life, I do feel like it kind of goes back to what you said of, like, we know when we're not happy, when we're not feeling it, when it's not right anymore. It doesn't mean it wasn't right. Right. But, like, we keep growing and we keep evolving as individuals and naturally sometimes that means you're going to outgrow a partner or you're going to outgrow something that you initially were attracted to and I think that's okay and I think especially as women it's like a very negative feeling and shameful feeling you have on yourself if it's you the one that's having those feelings because I feel like we always learned like men will leave and men will do this but Mm. if it's you like it has been a pretty like new concept that like yeah. Oh my God, you can leave a marriage. Like you can stand up for yourself. You can have a voice. So I appreciate you sharing that because it is in some way inspirational to just know like you have these incredible children. You had a, you know, a healthy marriage at one point and then it's like, and then it's time to move on and yeah. that's okay. It is okay. It is okay. And it's like not what you want and it's not when you get married, it's not what you hope for, mm-hmm. but it's okay mm-hmm. if it's not the right thing anymore you know and for me it really then became about is it possible to stay a family with this person that I really love and I I wanted to minimize the impact on our children which of course they're impacted and divorce is terrible and I know it was really hard on them and but I wanted it to be as least you know like I wanted to try to figure out a way that Chris and I could stay like real family, Mm -hmm. which we have. The last question I have on that is like, 
has it gotten easier to co-parent like in the beginning I I can imagine it's like any family feels it like it's a little rockier like trying to get your footing yeah and then eventually does it get to a place where like it does feel more cohesive if you work on it Mm -hmm. like you really have to work at it and I think you have to choose every day to remember the good in the person why you love them you know hold them with a lot of love and respect Mm -hmm. and cultivate that especially on days that you don't feel that because you feel you know wronged or angry or whatever it is Mm -hmm. you know and um and so it became a practice for me Mm -hmm. to remember all the ways in which you know Chris was a blessing in my life and you know and like there are just things about him that are so fantastic and he's so funny and he's so talented and he's goofy and we all laugh a lot and so I tried to really focus on those things and then also use the opportunity to focus on my side of the street and what I had not done well and what I could learn and you know the ways in which I hurt him and the ways you know so it was a it was a big I think you know it's probably best said like I really milked the opportunity and you know it's like a divorce sounds weird to say it's an opportunity but I really wanted to learn as much as possible and I wanted to grow Mm -hmm. as much as I possibly could out of it yeah I kind of feel like a theme today is just like knowing what's best for yourself yeah and you played a vital role in starting the me too movement Mm. and you were very open about your experience how did you decide to come forward and talk about everything it was scary because you know i had grown up watching the women who had spoken out be reviled rejected Mm -hmm you know, pilloried in the town square. Um, And I had never seen a model where a woman could speak out and there would be repercussions that weren't, were on the man and not Mm -hmm. on the woman. Um, And so this was a story that, you know, everybody, it was like this, the worst kept secret. Um, Not that Harvey Weinstein was raping people, but, you know, that he was sort of, crossing boundaries and trying stuff on and we all kind of knew that was happening and like my story had happened to 10 of my friends you know um but when I had learned the full extent of what he had done through my cooperation with the New York Times and talking to Jody and Megan who are two incredible women incredible investigative journalists um I just thought you know this is this has got to stop. And I felt like if maybe there was a chance it could impact the workplace for my daughter and her friends, like I felt really obligated to say something. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Some things work so well. It's basically magic. Like my favorite highlighters that I'm like, wow, how did you all of a sudden make me look glowing? And you know what else really works, Daddy Gang? Shopify. It is a global commerce platform that helps you sell. 
I've seen a big difference in my online merch sales. They are especially good at turning browsers into buyers. I can see someone that's been on the site but didn't check out or someone that checked out and then is revisiting the site. Like if you want to grow your business, Daddy Gang, sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash unwell, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash unwell. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I appreciate also just how open you are about your experiences and kind of speaking about like, you know, raising children now in this new era as like women that can have a voice. Like, how do you talk to, Mm. I guess, both of your kids about like dating and sex and relationships? (laughs) I mean, I think you have to tread lightly Mm -hmm. and let them come to you. I remember my kids both went to this fantastic elementary school here in Los Angeles once we moved from London. And they taught them sex ed Mm. in sixth grade, which, yeah, like, okay, I just, but I really was not prepared with the information that they came home with. What did they say? I will never forget Apple and her best friend, Emily, sitting at our kitchen banquette in shock like color drained from their face they taught them everything everything anything you're thinking they taught like the 11 12 year olds told them everything what i swear and what are they saying to you like uh mom they're like do people do (gasps) this like it was beyond you're like, you know what? One day you'll hear a little bit more of this on Call Her Daddy, Apple. Exactly. And then it will be in a more appropriate Well, time. that's what I was going to say. Then you took over. So I didn't have to tell her anything. Holy <laughs> shit. So I'm in Hawaii and I'm walking to the elevator with my boyfriend. We're staying at a resort. And I see this girl sprinting down the hallway with a bag. And I'm like, what is going on? I think she's beelining it to me. It is a fan of mine. And she hands me a goop bag. And there was, there's like a goop store in this Hawaii yes, resort. the Monolani. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shout out. So I'm like, oh, thank you. She's like, I love you. Like, you've taught me so much. Like, I Aww. want you to enjoy your vacation and winks at me. So I go upstairs and I open it and it's a beautiful vibrator. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then immediately I'm like, thanks to Gwyneth. Like, because I hadn't brought a vibrator on this trip. <laughs> And it was used and it was used again. It was great. It was a great time. It was a great time. I thought you were going to say, I thought you just said like, meaning you opened the box and it was used and I just died. And this vibrator was fully used. (laughs) Fuck you. No, no. I used it on my trip. Okay, thank you. It was phenomenal. And so I'm curious to know, because I'm a big advocate for toys and vibrators, especially for women. We have like obviously a harder time getting off. When is the first time you used a vibrator? Wow. Um, probably when Sex in the City came out and, you know, Samantha was talking about like everyone. I remember like you would go to a bridal shower and like there all of a sudden there were vibrators like as Everywhere. party favors. And it's almost like they stopped being party favors and they need to be again. Because yes. I remember in college being like, I think I need one. This is 
disgusting. Well, it's not. I started to use the back of my electric toothbrush because I didn't know where to get a vibrator at the time, Gwyneth. Yeah, thanks to Goop, now we know where to go. Thank but goodness. at the time, it was like, I'll get a new toothbrush in the morning. Like, <laughs> this is desperate times calls for desperate measures. And there I was with a good old back of the toothbrush. I didn't use it in the morning, everyone. Don't come for me. <laughs> Why do you think women are so intimidated, though, by vibrators? Well, you know, this is a very this this could be like a very long discussion. I mean, there's such um, systemic shame for women historically around pleasure, mm-hmm. and we are to your point. We do live in a patriarchal society. Um, the paradigms aren't there for female pleasure, mm-hmm. um, and so we've been taught to be like ashamed of it, not ask for things, not ask, not say like this feels good or this doesn't feel good. And this is why at Goop we have really kind of indexed into this area because I really feel like it holds us back so much. Mm-hmm. It's this one area where, and look, I like I'm still not comfortable talking about it. like this is inculcated in for decades, like it's. And I'm so happy when I see it changing in your generation and mm-hmm. apples, like, and this sort of freedom around the idea that women deserve pleasure. It makes me so happy to see that, but mm-hmm. it has not always been that way. You're so right. The shame comes from obviously as women, it's never been celebrated to like pleasure yourself. You hear about like men or boys when you're younger, it's like, oh, he's just touching himself. Oh, girl, it's like, stop doing that. Right, like, it's right. wrong. Just oh, do it sure. secretly. So now I love, though, I agree that like it can be cute and fun and clean and not scary and veiny yeah. and too large <laughs> that you're like, that's bigger than my thigh. Like, what is happening? So no, I really appreciate that you have what you've done because you. now I have my little baby purple little like bullet vibrator in it. Aww. I use it all the time. Oh, I don't know great. if that freaks you out. but <laughs> Not at all. Not in the slightest. Okay, Gwyneth, what is the craziest place that you've had sex? Um, I mean, I've never, I don't know. I've been famous for so long that like, you're getting, you know, well, I think one time back in the day, I did it in the, in an airplane bathroom on an overnight flight to Paris. (laughs) Would you, would you drop the name of who it was with? It wasn't anyone famous. Okay. Isn't that terrible? It's amazing. No, I'm like, I want the tea. I'm like, oh, that won't make headlines. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's great. Okay, so you were when you were famous, you were having sex with normal men. Yeah. You're you're a woman of the people. I was. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How would you meet normal guys though and like not be freaked out? Well, well, that's a good point. I mean, you know, do you know like I miss the whole dating app thing and all of that? Thank like God. I totally mm-hmm. miss that. Um, like one normal guy I dated when I was famous was, you know, friends with my friends growing up in New York, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. There were, I think I dated like one or two. You're going to tell us who that other A-lister is at some point by the end of this interview. Okay. (laughs) You started a wellness brand, but you did this before it was cool to like start a wellness brand. How did you come up with the concept of Goop? Well, I think kind of circling back to Mm -hmm. where we started by the time I had Apple I felt like I really needed a break Mm -hmm. from acting I had worked like nonstop for years and years and years running 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 and 
Uh, I had her and um, and I had like one of these moments in life and um, you know we had like a really crazy birth it was very dramatic and I kind of at some point passed out after having a seizure anyway I woke up and I opened my eyes and these like giant blue eyes were looking right at me we were like this and I was like this is this is it this is it and Drew Barrymore actually said this to me the best where she said when she looked into her daughter Olive's eyes um, she had the same thing and then she said to Olive later I was born the day you were born it always makes me cry because it's true but that's how I felt and like I didn't I I was like I don't know what I'm gonna I don't want to leave this baby I don't want to go back to work and luckily I was in a position where I could take some time off with so many women in this country cannot do and in Scandinavia they do it and places like that but we are not good at that Mm -hmm. so I was very fortunate and the longer I didn't work the more I started to call into question like wait, was I doing that because I really loved it? Was it like, and I gave myself the space to kind of contemplate if I wanted to go back or not. I ended up not doing a movie for like three years. I had my son. Um, And then I went back a little bit to do like smaller parts and Iron Man and stuff like that. Uh, But I actually never starred in a movie again since I was pregnant with Apple. Like we were in my last starring role together. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. And then I did something which I think I would really encourage women to do, which is at some point stop and say like, am I where, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I love? Am I spending my life feeling fulfilled? And am I brave enough to give myself permission to do something different if I want to? And I knew that if I started a company, I would take a lot of shit for it. And people would be like, what is she doing? And there was no model for this, except for the great Jane Fonda, who had you know done her fitness business, but also took a ton of shit for that at the time. Mm-hmm. They called into question like her seriousness as an actress. Like everybody likes us in one little box, you know? But I was really interested in this other space, which was really essentially like connecting people to great things that would make their lives better and I was I had always been that person for my friends Mm -hmm. like what temperature do I roast a chicken at like 
where can I get a bikini wax in Paris? Like, you know, and I thought, God, you know, I love answering these questions so much. I love doing the research. I love figuring it out. Like maybe I could do this as a job. Mm-hmm. And so it percolated for a long, 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 long time. And I got a lot of advice from different people. And that's when I thought, okay, I'll, I'll just start it as a newsletter and then we'll see how it goes. And it was unmonetized. It was just, you know, I just was sending content out. And it stayed like that for probably five years until I had the guts to start to think around monetization and and what I would do. It's amazing to hear you also explain it because I I agree with you. Like when you immediately said Jane Fonda, as you were talking, I was thinking about Jane Fonda because I'm like, it's so crazy that as you're trying to put something together that had never been done, your first reaction even though like you knew you wanted to do it you we immediately think like oh my god everyone's gonna shit on me like they want me to just be just be an actress like just stay in your lane that's right and it's so detrimental because that's so not the only thing that you are talented with and that also that you're interested in and so I love the story because it shows full circle of you putting to, into action an idea you had and then obviously creating something so much bigger that also is so helpful to so many women, Thank including you. myself. Thank you. What is one Goop product that you wish you had in your 20s that Ooh. now you're suggesting to Apple and her friends and like, <laughs> you need this? This is real because when I was in my 20s, I lay in the sun with baby oil on my face. I never use sunscreen. Believe me, I'm paying that price now. You look great. Thank you. I'll give you my surgeons. Please. <laughs> please. <just> please. <laughs> but um, actually, please. <laughs> so I wish that I had taken greater care of my skin earlier. Mm-hmm. And what's so great now is that we've come so far with product development and because clean beauty is a huge thing for me. Like, Obviously, that's why one of the main reasons we started Goop, I was appalled at the levels of toxicity in beauty products that are largely unregulated. We put all over our skin. They're transdermally absorbed. They mess with our endocrine systems. There's like real toxicity levels in a lot of stuff that we think is safe. And that just drives me crazy. Yeah. So I saw a real white space, you know, to create these products and... um And anyway, like for the women out there now, like look, I would recommend, I mean, we have this new eye cream that's coming out right now that's so incredible and it's like packed full of vitamin C and it's got caffeine and niacinamide and it works so well and it's very preventative as well. So I can use it for my crow's feet and my dark circles and Apple can use it preventatively. I love it. I need it. We brought you one. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You recently also launched the Goop Sex Instagram channel. Yes. What's a conversation that you're looking forward to having on that page? Well, again, like just to sort of traverse back over what we were saying, Mm -hmm. it's so important for women to have places that they can, you know, and resources. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why what you do is so fantastic in terms of destigmatization, creating a space Mm -hmm. where women can explore these questions and these feelings Mm -hmm. and like the the normalization, it's it's really beautiful. And I'm I'm so glad that you do what you do. Um, And we we really felt like 
you know, there's more to explore here mm-hmm. in terms of questions people have, products, et cetera. So we thought we'd make a dedicated page. You know, I learned from the Goop Sex page. Like, I'm like, wow, what, what <laughs> is this? <laughs> I love that. One of my last questions is, I was just thinking about this for a second. Like, what do you think is a misconception about you? Oh, I think there are probably a few. <laughs> um, I think like maybe not as much anymore, but I think like there was a misconception like that I that me and Goop that we together were like wacky or mm. you know like dealing in pseudoscience, which is such bullshit, and like we're actually so rigorous around like what we're talking about and Mm -hmm. and sometimes we talk about really cutting edge things but we really label the content as Mm -hmm. that so we're not saying this is fact we're saying like this is an emerging theory or something Mm -hmm. so I think that's a way to keep um also the power of the brand down right so Mm -hmm. it's like if you're threatening the status quo Mm -hmm. like people used to throw that at us a lot what about personally I think I can maybe come off or look quite cold maybe or like unapproachable I've heard but I think I'm really opposite to that like I do think I'm so curious about people and I think I'm warm but when you walked into my house I was like oh my gosh (laughs) hi we like hugged and I was like I felt like a part of the family when Apple walked in I'm like oh we're all going to hang like you yeah I can dispel that rumor now I have a gift for you really well it's kind of a yeah I'm gonna give it to you it's Brad Pitt no 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 I saw a comment you made. Okay, wait. I saw a comment you made on the internet. Okay. And I wanted to gift you this. What did I say? <laughs> oh, my God. I always, you know, me and my internet comments. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> I hope you got one for Apple, too. Oh, my God. I should <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I saw okay. your comment on Haley Bieber's. This is so good. I'm going to wear this loud and proud. <laughs> I truly love it. No, Gwyneth, thank you so much for coming on. Oh this was gosh. truly so fun. Thank it you. wasn't It wasn't too aggressive, right? Not at all. It was, you had a good time. I'll check in with her and see what <laughs> Apple has to say about it. Apple, we're going to walk in is like this. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for coming on. This was so fun. Thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. That was really fun. That was so fun. I am dying laughing. You are comedy. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Want zero dollar delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable, laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. Dash Pass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy Gang. So get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with Dash Pass and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today.